well regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Glad you're with me on the program today. We're going to be talking with Mark Oliver from the National Shooting Sports Foundation. Got a couple of issues here. We've got the uh, new lawsuit filed in Illinois over the, uh, what is it, the Firearms Dealer Responsibility Act or some nonsense like that. Basically, um, taking a page from California and uh, trying to impose all kinds of liability on gun makers for their marketing. Uh, And in some cases, uh, their products as well. Specifically, products that are designed for youth shooters. Yes, it would be a, uh, well, a civil violation and uh, open these companies up to uh, litigation if they continue to uh, market these firearms, ostensibly to kids, but in actuality to their parents. We're going to talk with Mark about that in just a moment, uh, as well as the uh, pending executive action from Joe Biden on background checks. We'll get to that in just one second. Before we do, you know, Biden's America. It's crushing us. you got companies laying off tens of thousands of workers, one after the other. Americans working two jobs just to get by. Inflation, pushing hardworking families to the brink. Just look at the price of lunch meat next time you go to the grocery store. And a digital dollar could be coming down the pipeline to completely destroy our way of life. The truth is, you need a plan. You know it, and I know it. And that is why you should call Gold Co. So you can diversify your savings and investments with gold and silver before things get worse. They're a six-timing 5,000 winner, 2022 company of the year with thousands of five-star reviews. And they've helped people like you and me place over $1 billion in gold and silver. They're offering up to $10,000 in free silver while supplies last. And if you call them today, qualified callers will get a free Ronald Reagan half-ounce silver coin. So don't wait. Call Gold Co. at 855-412-3806 today. That's 855-412-3806. Now, let's uh, kick off our conversation with Mark Oliver from the National Shooting Sports Foundation. A lot to discuss. Let's get right to it. Take a look and a listen. Hey, Mark, thanks so much for coming to the program, sir. Good talking with you today. It's great to be back, Cam. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So so let's start by talking about the lawsuit that uh, NSSF filed on Monday against this new uh, Illinois law. Um, it, it seems to me like this law is is very, very similar, if not almost identical to the California law that's uh, already under challenge. Again, going after the marketing of, uh, of firearms, particularly uh, marketing, supposedly marketing to minors, right? Uh, and marketing to violent criminals or, or lawbreakers. First of all, Mark, I got to tell you, I mean, I, I've been covering Second Amendment news and information for damn near 20 years now. I have yet to see an ad that uh, I felt was marketing to minors. Hey, hey, 14-year-old, go out and illegally buy a gun. Hey, armed robber, go out and buy this gun. So first of all, where the hell is the state of Illinois coming from on this? Yeah, so the state of Illinois, much like uh, California, when they passed their own constitutional law, is uh, targeting uh, any advertising, particularly highlighting the JR-15. What they're failing to uh, take into account is that nobody under the age of 18 can purchase a firearm at retail. It's just simply, it, it cannot happen. You have to pass the 44, you have to fill out that 44, 4473, excuse me, and pass the FBI National Criminal Background Check System, which also indicates that you're going to verify that you're over, over the age of 18, which the retailer is also checking your ID when you do that. So they're failing to take this into account. But what they're also doing is they're, they're trying to squelch the First Amendment rights of firearm manufacturers and retailers. If they can eliminate the discussion of safe and responsible firearm ownership to the next generation, well, then they can diminish the desire for that ownership and people exercise that right. So they're trying to play the long game by, by eliminating the Second Amendment, by curtailing and eliminating the First Amendment. 
And it's important to remember that commercial speech is still protected by the First Amendment. It is a right for these companies to be able to advertise a constitutionally protected product. And this does go beyond, uh, because I know that you raised, uh, NSS have raised a number of claims uh, in the lawsuit. I think there are five different uh, accounts, First Amendment, Second Amendment, uh, due process protections. Um, but because this does go beyond just trying to curtail our speech, that's bad enough. But they're also going after products, right? I, you know, I've talked about this before. I taught my kids to shoot on a little single shot cricket rifle. Uh, you know, cut down and this is no, no, no grown adult is going to choose that as their rifle for them. But there are a lot of parents out there who think, you know, this is a really good rifle to teach my kids gun safety products like that. And as you mentioned, the JR 15, it would be what would be the punishment for simply having a product like that available for sale? Yeah, well, it, it's to be seen. But again, that's why we're challenging this law. But and then you're exactly right. What they're trying to do is eliminate the ability for you to purchase a firearm that you want to be able to teach your children or teach people that are close to you safe and responsible firearm ownership. Having a child shoot the same size shotgun that fits me is not going to work well for that child and be able to teach them safe and responsible handling of firearms, teach them how to be an ethical hunter. Uh, so you want to be able to purchase firearms that are going to fit them and be able to teach them. And I think it's important when you look at something like JR-15, this is a firearm that's actually added with added safety features. That 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 safety mechanism that you and I can uh, flick over with our thumb on it on our regular AR-15 actually has to be uh, pulled out and and turned over on the other side of the firearm for that uh, safety to be able to be switched over. So there are added safety features. The magazines that ship with that rifle ship in a one round or five round magazine, uh, so you can limit the the shots at uh, that that child that you're trying to teach how to responsibly shoot a firearm, you can limit the ability for them to, to, you know, go and burn through an entire magazine. You can have them do slow fire, work on their marksmanship skills, work on their firearm handling skills to make sure that they're going to be responsible. This is the state going after uh, the fire manufacturers. Now, I think what you're seeing here is also a pattern of states that are now attacking the industry post-brewing. They don't like the Bruin decision. They're going to challenge it on every level. And you see a lot of these politicians are actually campaigning now on, on being against the Supreme Court. They're, they're taking the Supreme Court's challenge, the Supreme Court's decisions, and writing laws they know are in complete opposition, knowing that they're going to have to go all the way back up to the Supreme Court to get struck down again eventually. So what they're trying to do is just delay the game, make it more painful, make it more difficult. For you and I to be able to exercise our Second Amendment rights, for you and I to be able to teach our kids safe and responsible firearm ownership. Absolutely, uh, and uh, we're going to be watching this lawsuit uh, in the uh, ultimately in the Seventh Circuit right now in the uh, Southern District of uh, Illinois. But you know, to that end, we're also seeing the Biden administration. Uh, you know, it was just a few months ago. Joe Biden said, I- "I've reached the limits of my executive authority. There's nothing more I can do. It's up to Congress." I don't think anybody. Well, I don't, I don't know any gun owners that believed him. Uh, and for good reason, because, you know, now it's uh, become an open secret that there is another rule that's being drafted. Uh, this one dealing with uh, private trail, private trail, excuse me, private sales or transfers of firearms. And and Biden is apparently using language from the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act. Right. Uh, th- there was language in there that that sort of redefined what it meant to be in the business of selling firearms. And now it's basically anything, any 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 sale that in which a profit is derived. Uh, it sounds like the Biden administration and the ATF says, all right, well, you then need to get an FFL license. If you sold even as few as one gun and and made what they consider to be a profit on this. Uh, unless you have an FFL or unless you're putting that buyer through a background check, 
you're violating the law. Is that is that your understanding of what this rule is going to be? Yeah, we'll see what the rule finally says when it when it's uh, you know published out for public comment, and, and of course, Senate staff will be looking very closely at that. But it's problematic, and this isn't the first time that we've seen the Biden administration uh, twist the, the language of the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act uh, to fit their narrative and to fit their gun control agenda. We saw it more, most recently here with the blow up of them eliminating and defunding hunter education and archery programs in schools, which you've seen members of Congress uh, rail against. You've seen attorneys general uh, write to, the, uh, write to uh, Congress and write to the administration telling them that they are uh, violating the intent and the language of the law that the way it was written. So, and of course, you've seen the Secretary of Education say they're willing to work with Congress on trying to fix that. But all the administration needs to do is back off that, er that erroneous policy decision. But they're doing the same thing here now with background checks. So if you and I want to be able to sell firearms to one another, I want to be able to sell to you and I don't have an FFL, now, that means I would now have to go into another FFL and have them run that background check for me to be able to transfer that firearm to you. So now you're asking another business to do business for you because the administration now considers you in the business if you're transferring a firearm to someone else. Again, with the idea of what is that profit, not taking into account appreciation for that, not taking into account that you may have gotten a really good deal on it or you've had it for a number of years and now that the value of that firearm has increased over time, that now they might be able to consider that a profit on that firearm because you purchased it maybe 20 years ago for $300 and now you're going to sell it for $600. Uh, so again, it's, it's, it's a pretty big stretch of what the Bipartisan Safety Communities Act says about being in the business. So again, we're waiting to see what the final language of the proposed rule is. We'll be we'll be carefully looking at that, and of course, we'll be providing public comment when it is put out to the public. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, I you know, obviously, you have to wonder about the enforceability of something like this, right? How what you know the. the uh, we know what the ATF is up to. We know that Joe Biden is trying to weaponize that agency against uh, lawful gun owners. But, you know, the ATF has a finite number of uh, agents. They've got a finite amount of resources. Might not seem like it at times, but uh, but they do. And I just I mean, I, I guess this is a question for you. I guess this is a question for the Biden administration, maybe Steve Dettelbach. But w w why would this be a good, uh, you know, uh, a use of resources to try to go after, you know, lawful gun owners who may be selling a firearm or two to their friend or neighbor uh, when we, it seems like they've got the tools, right? Didn't the Bipartisan Safety Communities Act also make gun trafficking a federal crime? Seems to me like they've got all the tools in the toolbox that they need to go after actual gun traffickers. So why would they waste their time going after you and I, Mark, unless we're the real goal? Yeah, Tim, you bring up a really good point. And you're right. The, the penalties for straw purchasing a firearm and trafficking that firearm across state lines increased from 10 to 15 years in federal prison and $250,000 fine. So they have the tools that are available to them. But I think it's important that everyone goes back and, and looks at what was said on the debate stage when then, you know, former Vice President Biden was campaigning for office. In the very first presidential debate among all the rest of the Democrats on the stage, he came out and said that the industry, the fire manufacturers, not the NRA, not anybody else, the industry was, quote, the enemy, unquote. So I think it's important that people see that. Both he and Vice President Harris said on separate occasions on the campaign trail that they were going to use the ATF as a bludgeon against the industry. And they've done that. They've done that through not only this proposal that we're waiting to see come down. They've seen that through the, the hunter, and, hunter education defunding. We've seen that through also the, the, the zero tolerance pro, uh, program that the ATF has enforced. Now, again, are we talking about good use of resources? I think when we look across the, the breadth of this administration, we're talking about another 87,000 IRS agents. So when you're talking about all the heavy-handed approaches that 
this government, this administration is taking against the citizens of the United States, it draws some really valid questions as to whether or not these are the right users or the right resources for the right problems. Again, they're looking at you and I, they're looking at the manufacturers who are producing a constitutionally protected product that you have a right to own, that I have a right to own, and they're making it as difficult as it possibly can until they can get to the point where they can eliminate that right, which we've seen that Governor Newsom has proposed the 20th Amendment. That's that's the end goal, is to eliminate the Second Amendment and make the, make the ability for you to own a firearm a privilege granted to you by the state and not a right that you are uh, provided by your creator. Yep, that you're exactly right. Uh, and that's why uh, our work is not done, far from it, even after the Bruin decision. Uh, Mark, listen, man, I appreciate you coming on the program. I, I know that uh, I want to have you or Larry back once this rule has been uh, released and the public comment period has begun. So we actually have a chance to see what's inside. But, uh, you know, in the meantime, thank you guys for uh, for fighting the good fight, not only in Illinois, but all around the country. This is not the uh, only lawsuit that NSSF is engaged in. You all are taking part in the uh, attempt to overturn Illinois' ban on so-called assault weapons and large capacity magazines. You're fighting in New York. Uh, you're fighting in, I believe, New Jersey as well. But uh, again, keep up those efforts because, uh, again, you know, it, it, the right to keep in your arms is not just about my right to possess or to carry a firearm. It's about my right to acquire a firearm. And that means it's about the right to build guns. It's about the right to sell guns. Uh, and all of this is under attack right now from the Biden administration. You're absolutely right, Cam. I tell people all the time, your Second Amendment right begins with your ability to legally obtain a firearm through a legal purchase. When they eliminate that ability, then they've eliminated your ability to keep them bare. Yep, there you go. Mark Oliver with the NSSF. Thank you so much for your time, sir. Look forward to doing this again soon. Yes, sir. Looking forward to it next time, Cam. Thanks. Well, thanks again to Mark for joining us on the program. And, of course, we're going to be following both of these issues in the uh, days and weeks ahead. Right now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We'll start there with a uh, case out of Oakland, California, where an Oakland man has been charged with chasing down and murdering a woman and then attempting to kill her would-be rescuer. Uh, and there's the uh, sub-headline, suspect was on probation during the slaying. Yes, he was for, uh, well, ar arrested on both uh, drug and gun charges. Victor Sledge has now been charged in the murder of 27-year-old Nicole Marcy. He's a native of Seattle, but living in Oakland at the time. Sledge has also been charged with attempted murder and assault with a firearm for allegedly shooting a man who showed up to rescue Marcy. Back on July 19th, video surveillance shows uh, her killer chasing her off of International Boulevard and then firing at her as she ran away. She was struck. She fell to the ground. The man then caught up with her and shot her several more times at close range. A 39-year-old man who arrived in a vehicle to rescue the woman was then struck in the legs. He was able to get himself to a local hospital without help from paramedics. At the time of the homicide, the East Bay Times reports that Sledge was on probation for a drug conviction. That came from a January 15th arrest, January 15th of this year, where Sledge was arrested in Oakland. Uh, it was January 15th. Oakland police pulled Sledge over in a BMW for having overly tinted windows. They then searched the vehicle, found 220 ecstasy tablets, 154 oxycodone pills, 41 grams of methamphetamine, 45 grams of crack cocaine, so the small amounts of cash, heroin, and cocaine powder. Sledge was charged with drug and gun possession on January the 20th. A week later, his attorney filed a motion alleging that Oakland police had illegally prolonged the traffic stop and violated his rights by searching the car. And then on February 27th, about a month after the charges were filed, prosecutors must have offered him a sweetheart deal because Sledge ended up pleading no contest to a drug possession charge, getting probation, and the rest of the case was thrown out.
You may have seen the uh, headlines recently about uh, people moving out of Oakland, California, saying crime is out of control. Uh, one, uh, I think it was, I, th- I think it was the police recommending, well, maybe just take an air horn. If you're the victim of violent crime, just, you know, blast that air horn and uh, that'll make folks run away. No, I don't think so. Uh, and again, don't know what happened with this particular case, but crime is out of control in Oakland, California. It's clear that that's the case if you talk to residents. And you have, um, again, individuals who are accused of violent crimes, who have a decently long criminal history, in some cases maybe uh, much longer than Mr. Sledge has. And what we see is time and time again, the system arrests these individuals and cuts them loose with little or no consequences for their crimes. And at the same time, California lawmakers are trying to put these screws to lawful gun owners, right? Imposing more restrictions on you and I, not only uh, where you can carry, how much it's going to cost you to carry, but again, uh, you know, what we just talked about with Mark, even going after the marketing of firearms, even going after the ability for parents to teach their kids basic gun safety. They're going after gun stores because they want to destroy the culture of lawful gun ownership. And all they're doing is making Oakland and the rest of the state of California a more dangerous and far less free state than it has to be. Turning to today's armed citizen story, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where a 16-year-old robbery suspect was shot and killed by one of his intended victims. This happened on Friday. Don't have a a lot of information here about um, this defensive gun use, but what we do know uh, is that police say the armed 16-year-old teen attempted to rob several people. Said One of the victims also had a gun and shots were fired. The 16-year-old was killed. An unarmed 18-year-old Milwaukee man wounded and taken to the hospital. He is expected to survive. Milwaukee police say they're looking for a a second person in the case. Uh, Right now, no arrests have been made. And again, it appears as if the individual who uh, shot the 16-year-old armed robber was acting in self-defense. We'll uh, try to keep our eyes open for any more details as they become available. Finally today, our good deed of the day in the right place at the right time. We're unable to do the right thing in an absolutely horrific situation. One of the uh, survivors of the wildfire in Maui. Talking about not only escaping, but holding on to a a stranger's two-year-old son for for three hours uh, in the ocean. Juby Bedoya telling NBC Los Angeles, we were trapped. There was nothing that we could do. The fire and wind just came so fast, he said. There was nothing anybody can do. So Bedoya ran for the only place that appeared to be safe at the time, the ocean. Saw a family of five on his way to the water. They were stuck in traffic. As many were trying to escape the area, the father handed his two-year-old son to Bedoya, and they went into the water together. Bedoya said, when you're in the situation of life and death, you don't care who's around. You just want to try to help anybody. The uh, two-year-old hanging on to Bedoya's neck. They floated on a piece of plywood that had blown off a storefront. He said that plywood saved our lives. We clung onto it. There were about six or eight of us. We floated around. The uh, family, thankfully, was rescued. Bedoya rescued as well by the U.S. Coast Guard along with 52 other people. Bedoya said he returned to his city two days later to find everything gone, including his home. He says the whole neighborhood I grew up in is gone. 96 confirmed fatalities as of the time of uh, the taping of this program today in the Lahaina wildfire. And, you know, there are so many stories of tragedy, but there are going to be those moments of heroism that uh, emerge here. Uh, And in this particular case, again, doing what he can not only to save himself, but to save a two-year-old stranger as well, Juby Bedoya, in the right place at the right time. 
well, then able to do the right thing. And I uh, hope that the community rallies around Bedoya and the uh, other folks there who, again, have lost so much in these wildfires. That is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program as always. I'm looking forward to being back with you again tomorrow, Wednesday, hump day Wednesday. Don't forget, we also have our VIP Gold Live Chat with uh, Hot Air's Ed Morrissey every Wednesday at 1.30. You can be a part of it. All you got to do, become a VIP Gold member. Just go to bearingarms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS, and you can get a significant savings on either your VIP or VIP Gold membership. As our way of saying thanks for showing your support, we're going to give you exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. New stories and analysis that matter just like your support. So thank you again. And hopefully I'll get to see you in tomorrow's live chat. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.